Thanks for listening to another episode of the Gifted Performance Podcast. If you're listening or watching on YouTube, make sure you subscribe, as well as hitting the like button and the notification bell so you never miss a video. If you prefer audio format, search Gifted Performance on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcasting service and subscribe today. Make sure you also rate and review the podcast as that helps us out tremendously. Enjoy the podcast and stay gifted. Welcome back. Another episode of the GPP, the Gifted Performance Podcast. What are we giving you? We're giving you a couple things. Knowledge, that's important. Practical takeaways, that's arguably even more important. So you can improve your own general physical preparedness. At the end of the day, it's all about you. That third step, the most important of them all. Paul, how would you rate, scale of 1 to 10, your general physical preparedness for life as a whole? How prepared are you generally for all the things that life throws at you? You see me like every time we get on these podcasts. Like I look like I have – I'm not ready for anything, dude. (laughs) Very poor. Jay, externally, very put together, well-kept. Is that purely a persona? Is that a facade? Oh, dude, I white-knuckle it through every single day. (laughs) I barely make it. It's like a nightmare. I feel like we should have done this with, like, a visual scale of, like, happy faces and frowny faces. Like the old, like, RPE scale, where it was, like, happy is RPE 1, like, vomit face is RPE 10. Like... What's 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 RPE on day to day life for Dominic Cusa right now? People competing all week. Are we at a full ten? <laughs> I'm at a I'm at a nine. I'm at a nine. So he's not I'll be at a ten. Le- probably like Friday. <laughs> okay, he's leaving one life rep in reserve. I feel it. Like Dom, I feel like Dom's running at like a zero RIR, but like his face says seven. Like he's always so happy. You know, like he's he's going at a six or seven on his face. It's like that. Uh, it's like that guy Cisternino video where like he claimed that he was training to failure, but like he could still like scream at people, like he was still composed. Like I see that as like Dom, like he's going hard, he's getting after it, but externally he's still got you know that energy to you know maybe yell at some people, get angry about stuff, or you know, just see, be a like, I feel like. If you you had a camera on me, you'd be like, oh, dude, that guy's just warming up. But on the inside, I'm going at like an RPE 10, you know? I'm just (laughs) maxing it out, dude. (laughs) (laughs) See, Paul, I see the opposite being true for you. It's like it's easy work, but you're just like struggling so much. You're like on your back on the couch responding to client text messages and like WhatsApp. And you're just like squealing out for help. You're like, oh, no. It's like watching a turtle on its back or something, you know? Yep. Like it's panicking. Yeah. It's our little Korean turtle. <laughs> Is that a breed of turtle? I'm going to look that up real quick. Korean turtle. What does that look like? Korean, probably like every other turtle, right? Like mm-hmm. most other turtles, slightly squinier eyes. Uh, <laughs> yep. <laughs> That checks out. The only thing that's coming up is uh, ships, like that you set sail on. Um, you know, uh, my favorite Geo thing to do is on. you guys got an example of it today. Uh, when it's like, I, I just need a, a GIF for something. I put in Korean before what I want. So like today it was Mike's happy birthday. So I put in Korean, Korean birthday. <laughs> <laughs> <It's hilarious. laughs> All right. Let's not waste any time. Let's get into these questions. First question, it comes from at jp.dorado. This is in all caps, uh, so I assume that he was screaming, but I'm going to spare your guys' ears, and I'm not going to scream it. Uh, JP says, I don't want a fucking neck, bitch. Tell me your ways, team no neck. All right, so JP is on the quest to not have a neck, right? So what... What is it about an individual's physique that gives them the appearance of having no neck? <laughs> I think uh, literally having no neck. Paul doesn't have a neck. Yeah, Paul's Paul's team no neck. 
what is it, Paul? What makes someone have the appearance of having no neck, just being a floating head? Big fucking traps, man. That's what you got to do. So, like, for me, man, so when I got into bodybuilding, dude, I remember just seeing, like, Jay Cutler, Ronnie Coleman, was it Johnny Jackson? That's another one. Fucking all of them, really. Every single bodybuilder that has graced the Olympia stage since, like, I don't know, the fucking 90s. Just the biggest traps, right? Am I wrong? And I thought that that was the coolest thing, dude. So I had a period of like five years, man, where I just trained the shit out of my traps, dude. Got them large. And then, uh, but the cool thing about traps is, man, they're really easy to maintain. I, I've done zero trap work in like the last seven or eight years. Zero targeted trap work. Because you use them. So no struggling. Like everything. Zero. When you were doing a lot of trap work, what uh, what were your exercises of choice, rep ranges of choice, loading style, intensities, all that? So um, I would shrug like twice a week. And uh, th there was no real like method behind it. It was just good old fashioned hard work. I would start at one plate, <laughs> <laughs> work up to the worst form with four plates and then work my way back down. <laughs> No, um, that was one point. And then I think like probably towards the end, I was doing roughly about like six sets twice a week. So here's a dumb thing that people say. People always say that deadlifts are a great exercise for your traps. Do you agree, disagree, somewhere in between? Are you asking me or somebody else? I'm asking anyone. I think Jay can do a better job of answering it than you because he's just he's generally a higher higher IQ individual. Mm -hmm. Well, if you think about how we define what a good exercise is for a specific muscle group, we think that there's probably a stretching and a squeezing. So an eccentric portion and a concentric portion. And typically, unless you're doing things very wrong, there's none All of that the best happening. Things. All the best things involve a stretching and a squeezing. This is true. This is true. <laughs> You've heard of the ripping and the tearing. We give you the stretching and the squeezing. <laughs> Dude, I'm, you're so you're lucky. I have headphones on right now. <laughs> For those, I think everybody fun, else in that today, coffee shop is uh, unlucky. Dom is recording this from a coffee shop, and he luckily uh, people can't hear us. But no, good point, Jake. C continue stretching and the squeezing. So there's no, I mean, I guess there's a good amount of, I guess, stretching during a deadlift because you're, you know, the, the primary portion that nobody thinks about during a deadlift, it's a lot of, it's just like your body, not allowing your arms to rip out of your shoulders. So there is, I believe the term we're looking for some, some isometric contraction there, you know, during a deadlift, but that's about it. Um, I don't know. I think there is some literature that suggests that there is, you know, some hypertrophic effect to some isometric contractions, but not as much as in a true eccentric and a concentric in, in exercise itself. So is it a good exercise? Probably not. Yeah, man. Do you want to talk, Dom, before I fucking talk more? <laughs> <laughs> so i'll jump into this man um so yeah dude if you're like a power lifter and you're a fucking good one and a good deadlifter or you just deadlift really hard for like 10 years straight you're probably gonna have some decent traps right but that's a really fucking hard way to get traps like i, I wouldn't say it's the most direct um path of to getting big traps right like if you want the biggest traps possible, like you're, you're going to train them directly, like you said, through a full range of motion or at least try to before they just end up looking like this. Um, I like the chicken, the chicken move. That's yeah. My uh, uh, uh. Sucking invisible dicks, basically. But um, they don't have to be invisible. They can be visible, Paul. OK, OK. <laughs> Those are my favorite pull ups, too. Fucking. But uh, yeah, man. So you'll get there, but, or it, it'll do something. You'll grow your traps, but it, it's definitely not the most uh, efficient way to get there. 
So the people, best is, is very strong verbiage. People, yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. I don't think uh, like you know deadlifts are the best like lat exercise. It's like well they're not because they don't really work your lats. They're the best trap. Well no they're not because they don't really work your. They're the best full body exercise. Well no because they don't work your biceps and your triceps. Like again I think we had this conversation on a previous podcast where people are just like oh you know I love these like. And Jay's going to be like, well, it's back to the power building argument. It's like that, that power building mindset again of like, well, you know, these these power lifting movements are the best for, you know, full body hypertrophy. And it's just it's just not fucking it's not true. I thought of more that, Paul. OK, uh, let's hear your things. So and I think like for for the purpose of building your traps, you have to think about it this way, man, like. It, that is such an inefficient way to to target your traps. Like if, if that's your main goal, like there's so much extra fatigue that comes with a deadlift. And people say the same thing about a farmer's carry, um, you know, so like you're you have to think about how far that weight is moving relative to like how much your actual muscle is moving it. Like during a shrug, it's a very short range of motion. So there, there's a lot less fatigue there, but it should just be your traps moving at that full range of motion versus the deadlift that you're pulling from the floor. It's going to be loaded heavier. Um, so that's more axial loading, more fatigue, more time warming up. Like if you just do your three to five sets of shrugs a couple times a week, like you're going to have so much more left in the tank to train other parts of your back and your body or whatever else you're training that day. Here's a good order of operations. I feel like this question is very like first order logic. It's like, I want no neck. Tell me how to get no neck. It's just very simplistic in the logic of it. So taking it a step further can apply to almost anything. You know, you hear people talk about, I want hamstrings that like touch my calves in my side chest pose. I want, you know, quads that hang off the bone, things like things like that. Um, look at the muscle that you're talking about. So when we talk about not having a neck, why do people not have a neck? It's because they have very large upper trap fibers. What do the upper trap fibers do? They elevate and in the concentric and then they control through the eccentric depression of the scapula. So that is exactly what you need to do. Find exercises that cause you to do that. There is one, it is a shrug, do that movement until your traps are as big as they can possibly be. And then just go from there. So look at the muscle. What's the action? Find an exercise that emphasizes that action and then do that until they're huge. And if they never really get that huge, Maybe you're not, maybe you just ain't built like that. Maybe you're just not ready for the responsibility that comes with huge traps. Cause it's not easy, right, Paul? You can't even, Paul, this is, Paul, you can't even turn his neck. Mm. Got no, it's no not rotation. Life. Very, I would not easy. suggest anyone emulate anything I do. <laughs> All right. Next question comes from, and Dom's ears are going to perk up from our friend, Alex Calabat. <laughs> Dom and I, uh, we answered this one on the IG live. So we have both hit this one uh, pretty hard, but I'd like to hear the input of these two other gentlemen here. Um, Mr. Calabat asks, does organic, non-free range, et cetera, make much of a difference in food quality? So when you guys are shopping for your weekly food, do you pay any mind to the organic, non-GMO, free-range, all of that? And begin. Who wants it first? We can all just stare at each other. <clears throat> I'll, I'll take a shot at it first. Since Paul and I are doing this weird eyeball thing, we're like, it looks like we're flirting with each other, actually. like. Oh, I thought you were. <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> I thought we were flirting. I don't want to... <laughs> But usually, I mean, uh, I remember it might have been undergrad. I had a class with uh, a lady that was a very big proponent of all of these termina, all these terms, organic, non-GMO, free range. She was a vegetarian or vegan. Actually, she wore uh, some sort of vegan shoe for <laughs> classes. <laughs> she wore a lot of vegan uh, And uh, I, I love it when I get done with one. That's my favorite thing to do. 
Um, and, you know, and we, <laughs> the discussion was this, you know, she would push these things and, you know, I was, you know, the, what I thought was the smartest person in the class. So I had a bunch of stuff that I wanted to present at this, in this situation, but in the literature, it's very hard to define some of these things. Uh, the big one is organics, very difficult to define because it involves the amount of time that a, the soil of something, the soil of which something is grown in needs to be sort of unadulterated by any sort of pesticide for X amount of time before it's considered organic. And I'm using air quotes here because most of it is nonsense. Um, so there's that. So a lot of the things that we purchase from the store is aren't really even organic. So that's the one thing we have to pay attention to. Um, the term non-GMO, genetically modified, everything that we eat at some point in time was probably genetically modified. Uh, corn at one point in time was actually really small. If you've ever had a garden and tried to grow something, it looks nothing like what you see in the grocery store. Um, it's probably like eighth of the size. Um, everything that we do has been genetically modified over time, including human beings. So there's that. So we have to look at the technology itself. I think I saw like an image representation or a photo of like broccoli before it was what we knew it is today. It doesn't even like look like the same thing or nearly even edible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, so all this stuff, it's like it's not it's not what we think it is. And it probably doesn't have much of a difference. And when it comes to actual food quality, um, I, and it surely doesn't have a different make much of a difference when it comes to building muscle or um, you know, athletic endeavors at all, for sure, body composition. Um, but that's I think hard. that's one thing that, I think it's one myth that does exist is that like the micronutrient density of organic or non-GMO foods is, is higher than that of conventionally farmed foods. Have you guys heard people say that before? Like it's got more nutrients in it. Dude, I spent a lot of time on that. I've heard that. So part part of that too is uh, like a lot of people will will say stuff like that, but like part of that is just general like distribution practice. Like we pick a lot of foods now. Um, what is it like before they're ripe because they have to like travel across the U.S. or like overseas or or whatever, and so. Yeah, a, a lot of it is from other things other than that, like it it not being organic. To my knowledge, GMO foods are actually genetically modified foods actually are shelf stable or have they stay good for longer. Right. That's why they've been genetically modified. So if you're worried about like picking something early and not allowing it to develop its nutrients, I think that a GMO food would outperform something that's non-GMO in that scenario, right? Maybe. Am I, is that logic train make sense? Potentially. I, I'm, I'm not a, a farming expert, but, uh, like, and, and, but you're, you're right. Like GMO, like encompasses so many things, right? Like there are some forms of GMO where it's like, Oh, like this, this has a trait that we like. So we, we basically, I guess, more or less keep breeding that. I don't know what you call that in, in plants, but like, and then there are other forms of GMO that people Making are like plants. actually afraid of where they like take the, like the genes from like a salmon and somehow put it in a fucking tomato. <laughs> um, that That's a thing. I remember learning about that. And because every, every exercise science, like course that has like a nutrition component, like there's always like a crazy lady that like is teaching <laughs> the class. <laughs> but uh man there was something i did dude i don't notice a damn thing like I've, I've had phases where i've been a little weird and i'm like oh like maybe i should eat this stuff and so you go to whatever and you buy groceries that are at least 25 to 50 percent the uh more costly than what you would normally buy and i don't notice a damn thing i can live off fucking hot pockets and not feel any different i think these people I think there's something wrong with these people. They're like, yeah, I, I changed my diet. I feel so awesome. Like I, more veggies. I, I feel the same, whether I'm eating Hot Pockets and chicken nuggets or like some broccoli and fucking whatever at each meal. It's all the fucking I same, think, dude. I think you're, you're I think some of it is like when people start, they're like, oh, I only eat organic or I only eat non-GMO foods. 
and I started to lose weight or I started to, and I, and I feel better. And then you ask them, what did they do before they were eating non-GMO or free range foods? And they're like, oh, I just drank beer and ate pizza all day. And you're like, yeah, pretty much anything <laughs> other than the pizza and the beer would make you feel better. It has nothing to do with the GMO yeah, just, or the just free poisoning range. poisoning yourself with beer every day. <laughs> Fucking <laughs> poisoning your liver. Dude, you know what? And then people will ask, like, I, I've had clients ask, like, do you think I'll make better gains? And I'm like... I just think back to my own experience and I'm like, man, you know, when I was first getting into lifting 18 through like 21 best, best natty gains of my life. You know what I fucking ate McDonald's and Chick-fil-A all the time. Cause I didn't know how to fucking cook best gains of my fucking life. Almost no veggies. <laughs> all right. I think we need Dom to come in here and bring some sanity to this conversation. Dom, when we first talked about this, you talked a good bit about like, non-gmo not a big deal organic probably not a big deal but you did make some good points on like the free range so like the grass-fed beef argument as well as like the free range eggs uh yeah and there is a difference between free range eggs like nutrient density wise and the yolk compared to like caged uh chickens um but like i buy organic i buy organic things that i'm going to eat the skin of because of a pesticide reason so like if i'm going to eat the skin of an apple i'll buy an organic apple but like a banana for example you peel it and it has a thick coarse skin that stops a lot of that an avocado same thing um but like all the fruits that i'll eat the actual skin of i'll buy organic uh just because now i feel like the price difference isn't even that much anymore uh like it's a couple cents now when it used to be a couple dollars. So for me, because of the volume I eat some of these things in, I feel a lot better mentally uh, that I'm getting a cleaner product in versus not. Uh, I do eat like chicken wise. I do. I grew up working in grocery stores, so I kind of know the difference of some of these meats. And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll pay the extra money for like, you know, free range chicken breasts versus like, you know, the dollar a pound of chicken breast. Just because a lot of it's pumped up with saline solution and water to make it look bigger and appear bigger. And then that's how they that's how they get you, you on that. You don't want a chicken breast where you look at it and you're like, dude, this is bigger than my fucking pack. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, dude, they did not get this off of a fucking chicken. I'm trying to eat a chicken with some D-cup titties, some pickle titties. <laughs> Yeah, and then you cook them and they're down to eights. <laughs> Bro, that shit is sad, though. Like, you ever seen that shit? Like, these chickens, they, like, have to live their whole life, like, sitting on their ass because they, like, are weight. They're so – that's how I'm trying to be. So jacked, I can't even walk. Like, Paul's trying to live the life of one of these, these pumped-up chickens. His tits are so big that he can't even get off the couch. So that's what they do to Wagyu cows. They, they, they don't let them move a lot so that they get really fat and they even massage them so that they just that's chill right. and just get massaged. And Dude, that's, that's why their, that's why their meat is so marbled and there's so much fat, like intramuscularly because they don't do anything. That is like the epitome of I'm not here for a long time. I'm here for a good time. <laughs> like that, that's the life I want. How about. Does anyone here like uh, like chicharrones? A little bit of like crispy skin right there. Dom said that he if he if the, if he's gonna eat the skin of something, it has to be organic. So do we have to go with organic pigs to, since we're gonna eat their skin? I mean, most of the time I do eat any meat. Really, I buy now is organic. How about gator? I expensive. Have seen organic time. Gatorade? <laughs> You guys seen that? That organic Gatorade? Oh. I don't know, man. I used to what the be... What fuck is in the Gatorade that makes it organic? <laughs> organic it's cane sugar. sugar. It's organic uh, cane yeah. sugar. Yeah. Sure. Uh, I don't know, man. Yeah. I used to be very neurotic and, like, really care about that stuff. And then, I don't know. I just developed this side of me that's just, like, maybe if you just don't think about your problems, they're not problems. And, like, <laughs> fucking... <laughs> Like, and I just buy shit and put it in my body now, dude. You know, I just try not to think about it. 
Paul is like very much in the camp of like, I can't get herpes if I never get tested for herpes. Like it doesn't exist <laughs> if I never get tested for it. Herpes, the doctor never herpes isn't like a real problem, you know? <laughs> it doesn't like 90, 97% of the world like have herpes of some sort. I don't know where you found that stat, but I feel like that's very wrong. I feel like that is 100% wrong. No. Why? Uh, like, uh, what's it called? Like a wart on your finger is HPV virus. Yeah. There's just different strains. Yeah, that's all it is. And so if, if the majority is right. Yeah, like if I mean, the majority has it, you're kind of I need to do my herpes research. I think it's that we all carry some sort of genetic marker for it, but it doesn't express itself. When it comes to herpes, I am not very evidence-based, apparently, and that makes me feel bad about myself. <laughs> so thanks, You're going to take a deep dive into herpes research. I, I, I'm going to respectfully pass. I, I feel like the graphics inside of that research are probably things that will keep me up late at night. All right. Here's a question that I think Paul will do a good job of answering because the other people on this podcast um, have not been deployed. Uh, at JP Harvey 23, what's up, man? Uh, he asks, is it even possible to track macros accurately when you are deployed? So, Paul, I don't know if at the time that you were deployed, if you were a macro tracker, um, but would it have been possible to do something like that? It's a good question. I get a lot, you know. I was not a macro tracker. I mean, dude, unless you want to live off of like ramen and tuna packets, like you're in prison or something, uh, probably not, to be honest. But <laughs> fucking dumb. Uh, but I mean, I, me personally, if I were to deploy now in this day and age, because back then I wasn't tracking macros, like I, I was just like, hey, um, I'm going to eat what I think is three to 400 grams of protein in a day. And I'm not going to stop eating. I got so fat on deployment. I got pretty yoked too, but I got pretty fat. I was just like grabbing milks and energy drinks from the, from the DFAC. <laughs> just, <mixing them. laughs> just slamming them all throughout the day, dude. Had a tub of protein powder at my desk every two hours, dude, slam a scoop and something else. But, uh, no, nah, I, I probably uh, these days I probably would be that dork that like I, I would bring like a food scale and I would try my best to estimate, leave some wiggle room. They do try and uh, at least while I was there, I want to say for if my memory is correct, I think they started leaving like little things with nutrition facts. But it's only going to be so accurate because for sure the cook in the back does not give a shit how accurate it is. They're probably just taking a, a ladle of grease, throwing it on the thing. Uh, but at least when I went, it was pretty nice, man. Like you could get like stir fry and chicken breast fried up. They'd like cook you omelets in the morning. If you wanted to wait in line for them and stuff, it was pretty, it wasn't a bad, uh, bad dining experience. So the question is, is it possible? So you know, like you said, Paul, you could be that dork and bring the scale and do your best and try and talk to the cooks and get them to prepare yeah. the food a certain way. It's possible. Um, now a question of, is it worth it? Are there better options? So, I mean, one thing that I would probably do, honestly, is I, I've been counting my macros for a long time already. So like, I, I, I would also be a dork and semi-prepared for this and be like, well, how good am I at eyeballing stuff and almost try to also have an intuitive component to like my eating plan and just, you know, eyeball what I think is five ounces of chicken and then weigh it out and, and practice those things. Um, I would probably, because you can order things on deployment, like off Amazon and shit like that. Um, I probably order a body weight scale and use that as a, as a form of feedback, weigh myself in the morning. Okay. It looks like I'm not eating enough or as much as I want to gain or whatever my goal is and just try to, you know, add a little more to the diet, increase my portion sizes as I became more familiar with that. That would be an option as well. Jay, Dom, have you had any clients um, that you've kind of worked with through deployment? And if not, with what Paul has told us here, what kind of, what kind of suggestions would you give people if they did want to be uh, on top of their nutrition while deployed? Uh, I've had... I've had a few clients that were 
not deployed, but like we're on base, um, which I think is a little bit easier though, because from my understanding, you can, you, some of them lived off of base, but just drove to base every day. Mm -hmm. So they kind of like, they lived like on a camp kind of thing. Um, they didn't have that much of an issue, obviously, because they're living in like their own place. But then I had one client that was actually on like base, so it wasn't deployed. And we had a few issues with food, but we found a good way to get around it. Because they, you know, Paul was right, they could order a lot of stuff off of Amazon and uh, get it delivered there. So like rice and things and whatnot, like we were ordering like microwavable packets and stuff. And then they were just microwaving food all day long. And then even like at the, uh, like in the cafeteria, they were, I don't know, they had, they were close to the chef or whatever. And they would cook them like chicken breast, just plain, like nothing on it. And he would go pick it up like every morning. I don't know if that's allowed, but maybe he broke the rules. <laughs> no, I mean, like when I was deployed, when I said like they had like a stir fry like station, I, I would go there uh, for my meals and be like, hey, can I just get a chicken breast? And like, I, I would like haggle with him to see how many eggs he would allot me. I'd be like, can I get like six eggs? They're like, oh, I can do four. I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll take four eggs with my with my two chicken breasts. <laughs> yeah, I haven't had, I haven't worked. I guess I've worked with people in a similar situation, like Dom said, uh, people that were on base. Um, no one that's ever been deployed. Uh, but when I think about it, I, I kind of would handle it the same way as someone that maybe it's a it's a terrible comparison, but someone that's maybe on vacation or something like that and doesn't have access to a food scale or something like that, you know, I'd give them very simple things to follow if they could, you know, try to have three to four servings of protein about the size of your hand if you can. Make sure half of your plate is vegetables if you can and try to have a piece of fruit and then kind of just get there. It depends on how big your hands are, of course. Um, if you're one of these giant hand fuckers, then that might change that perspective a little bit. Um, or if you have tiny hands also, I'd have, I guess I'd have to measure your hands prior to making that. I never really thought about that, but it seems to get people pretty close. Paul, is there anyone on base, basic training at any point in the initiation to deployment period that does any sort of nutritional education for, um, these people that are just getting started? Not really, or at least not when I was in. And, and you got to remember, I got out in 2012. That's almost 10 years now. Um, but chances are probably not. Like they're really slow evolving when it comes to shit like fitness, nutrition, and stuff like that. So only only if you were just like had a real problem, um, passing PT tests and, and getting taped and shit. And like, so you if you're like super it. fat, they'll step in and help you be yeah it, slightly less than super fat. If, if you're like borderline about to get kicked out because you're a fat shit, like um, the, the, they may send you to like some nutritionist or some some like classes, depending on the, the base, how big the base is and what facilities they have. Yeah. That's kind of crazy to me. Is that is I mean, is that crazy to you guys? That That's that's kind of an, an oh, insane to me. It's insane. Like people who like lead PT. They have no real formal training in fitness or education. It's just like, all right, you're an E5 now. You you kind of read this standard that we have, and you, you talked about it a little bit at like whatever you know training, and, and you just leave PT now. So you have guys that are like, all right, dude, we're running five days a week, five plus miles. We might do some push-ups and some pull-ups. Like that's like the fitness program. <laughs> And that always blows my mind because it's like, all right, put a gun in your hand, go fight for your country and possibly be in a situation where you need to fight for your life. And you are this extremely physically unfit individual who has no concept of how to fuel yourself for combat, the the, the physical rigors that come with combat. Um, get out there and get them, killer. And it's like, whoa what how are we how can you expect someone to go out there and perform at their best if they are physically unfit because the training is insufficient 
and nutritionally under fueled because that section of training was completely skipped over altogether. It blows my mind. It really does. Yeah. I mean, surprisingly, I, I wouldn't say people are largely unfit. I mean, they're always, well, yeah, you have to have unfit. a baseline of fitness. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, cause I mean, you can make people pretty fit by just running the shit out of them and making them do a shit ton of push ups, pull ups and sit ups. Um, I mean, they, they obviously could be more, uh, what is it, more functional to the task. but Ooh, Functional um, fitness. Yeah, and I think they are trying to adjust those things. Or I, I remember when I was in, they were like, yeah, we're going to be doing all this stuff. We're going to be doing these, like, short sprints wearing, like, some of our gear, and we're going to be pulling Humvees, and we're going to be, like, carrying things and doing all this, but it just never happened. Have you seen the new combat fitness test? I haven't. So what was the army combat fitness te test when you were in? Do you remember? Oh, it was a uh, two mile run and then as many push ups and sit ups as you could do in two minutes. Okay. All right. So the new one is a three RM deadlift. On a hex bar. Uh, looks like you can max out the test at 340 pounds. You get your maximum points there. Um, standing power throw. So an overhead med ball toss. Uh, then we've got hand release push-ups. Max hand release push-ups in two minutes. Two minutes. Uh, sprint drag carry, so like a sled drag, a leg tuck, so like an ab exercise where you hang from the bar and tuck your knees up, uh, and then a two mile run. So in your opinion, the opinion of the guys here, is that a better fitness test? Is that heading in the, the right direction in terms of, in terms of that test? When I look at it, um, I think it's an improvement because it incorporates a few different domains than just aerobic endurance and muscular endurance. It's a strength component. There's somewhat of a flexibility component in there as well. There's uh, the sled drag, which would be like an anaerobic component. What do you guys think? I think it's better. It's definitely a step in the right direction for sure. Yeah, it sounds pretty well-rounded. Um, I'll tell you what, this 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 army website is uh pretty impressive. Looks good, looks fancy. Does the army it's have a lot of money though. to spend or something? Can they can they spend uh, money on stuff? Are you serious right now? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh man. It, it it would surprise me they though. Have unlimited resources. It wouldn't surprise me, though, to find out that, like, still, like, 80% of the military was still doing, like, the old PT test. Yeah, you just so I think, think that's about, what it says here. Because when you think it's, about how many people... That, it's not that they do the test. It's that they... Okay, they do the test. They get in. They start. Is there an updated test they have to take later on? Like, where is the upkeep to their fitness at that point? You know what I mean? Like... Yeah, like, like retesting intervals. Get fit for yeah. Oh, is that? that that they they redo uh they do fitness uh, PT tests. I can't remember how often it was. Um, I know they they got to do them at least a couple times a year, and then they'll sometimes do like mock ones or like little like just wake up call, make sure you're ready ones. But like uh, I hear that. I actually hear that as an argument against, to go on Dom's point, an argument against like law enforcement is that like you have your PT test to get into law enforcement and then there's like no follow up on that, which is why like you see like these young cops that are quite physically fit and then people who have been cops for like 20 years and like their fitness has like greatly fallen off. They're, mm -hmm. you know, overweight, can't run, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that is well, that's why that's why they're trying to pass a lot of like um like that was the whole thing with their funding and everything was to make sure that they, you know, implemented things like that so that people were fit enough to handle a situation because maybe some of the reasons why some of these situations get to the way they get 
is because the person's just not fit enough and doesn't have the capabilities to detain properly or however. I mean, I'm friends with a lot of law enforcement here locally, and, uh, you know, some of them are fit and some of them aren't at all. So it's it's something that definitely probably has to get looked at. Now, I would assume I would assume that there's some sort of an incentive, financial incentive across the board, whether it's army, law enforcement, uh, you know, firefighters to like maintain a decently high level of physical fitness because, you know, as oh, physical yeah. fitness deteriorates, you know, injury risk rises precipitously and with each injury it costs the military quite a bit of money, costs law enforcement quite a bit of money, workers comp on the the the, the fire side so like man i wonder i wonder how this is going to look a little different in the years to come when that realization kind of hits everybody else of like hey man like physically fit people like do a better job like situations don't escalate as much for law enforcement when people are physically fit and you know you save some money in some catastrophic scenarios right yeah i mean honestly if they structured it more like because in the military like if you don't do well at these PT tests, like you don't get promoted, you you get in trouble for it. Um, if you fail enough PT tests, they just kick you out. Like you're just not fit enough for the job, basically. Like, I mean, ultimately, they should all have some component that meets the fit, uh, the needs of their demands of their job. That's like that. That's insane. And I know the fire department does. I spent some time in the fire academy and I know they do like regular PT tests almost. And most of those guys, you go to a station, you know, in the really nice stations, they usually have a gym because those, you know, their schedules are just weird, you know, at the end of the day. Um, so, but I know law enforcement, at least here in central Florida is quite a little bit different when it comes to staying in shape. Um, I don't know. From a personal perspective, I kind of think like you shouldn't be able to look at a cop and say, yeah, I can take this guy. (laughs) (laughs) I think the firefighters are a little different, though, because they it's like a group of well, I guess there are female firefighters, but like, you know, a group of dudes staying together. um, And there's just that. I feel like it's kind of like the military. You know, when you have a bunch of dudes that are just together, it's like, hey, guys, we should fucking go to the gym. Like we should get fit. Like I have, I have firefighter clients on occasion. Um, and they're just always like, yeah, all the guys at the station want to start doing like these like CrossFit wads. And I'm like, God damn it, dude. Like <laughs> trying to, we're trying to get yoked over here. <laughs> I want police stations, percentage of police stations that have gyms compared to percentage of, fire houses that have gyms like from a completely outside looking a, in a lot of a I, lot of them do they do yeah a lot okay. of them have their own little like some of them have decent fitness centers actually um but i know i know probably almost every one around me within like 15 miles has a gym <laughs> so maybe it's just the frequency of use of that gym um, yeah, it's dust the cobwebs off in there. Yeah, you know, even during COVID, like uh, the, the height of it all, and when gyms were closed here, uh, Zaris is a police officer, and he mm. was training at he, he was training at his uh, at his uh, precinct gym. I feel like most younger cops like. They, they're excited about it. Like most of the younger cops, like they, they want to be high speed. Like they, they like looking cool and like staying fit and, and they're all about it, you know, wearing a shirt with the, with the American flag and, and the wind and shit that says rogue on it. But, um, I, I think it's like the older cops, they, they get old and jaded. It's not cool anymore. They get fat. Paul, you brought up a good point with the comparison to the army that like you don't advance, like you don't get to that next grade. You don't get to that next level unless you maintain your physical fitness. So building that something, building something like that into law enforcement where there is that incentive of either you make more money or the incentive of we'll fucking kick your ass out if you don't meet these requirements might be something that could be effective there. I think so. So government officials state you know let, let us know let us come in let us fix your program we'll get your people fit they'll never get injured again 
Paul will be writing up all of their CrossFit wads for them. Job, Paul, you're going to crush it, man. Remember, just a lot of pull-ups. All right. Our last question for the day comes from a gentleman. I think it's a gentleman. If you're a lady, I'm sorry for calling you a gentleman. Um, If you're neither, I'm sorry for calling you either. Um, At pentagroid.alchium. I think I pronounced that right. That's the best that I'm going to do. Did a 16-week chest progression while slowly bulking. Nice. Trying to get your titty game strong. Uh, Don't look any different. Oh. I'm sorry about that. Uh, the fuck is up with that? So this individual was slowly bulking, meaning that I guess their weight went up, um, but their chest doesn't look any different. What happened, guys? Where did it all go wrong? It could have all went wrong. Yeah? What could have went wrong, Paul? Oh, man. So I don't know. When I look at this, I have a lot of thoughts, man. Um I mean, really, I just don't know. I, I don't know, like, I don't know anything about the guy, right? Like, and I'll tell people, I had another question. Somebody said, hey, I increased the frequency and volume of my my arm training. Why didn't my arms grow? And I'm like, well, that's honestly not the first place I look. Like, I start with ex- uh, movement selection and execution. Make sure you're actually training the target muscle, like, well. Um, and then, you know, but, I mean, I, I don't know where the guy's volume is. You know, potentially frequency could have been a valuable tool in that circumstance. Potentially just 16 weeks, just things take time, man. Like, I remember uh, when we first started working together, Ryan, um, you were like, man, we got to bring that back up. And so, like, for nearly, like, a year and a half or two years straight, that I just trained the fuck out of my back, you know? And it, it took a long time, uh, like, you're you're adding these these tiny these tiny baby microscopic changes you know to your fucking muscle like over weeks and months and, and it just takes a long time to accumulate enough of those that that you visually see that with the eye and then i mean potentially i mean dude you could have the worst fucking chest genetics in the world or like uh you know and that's just it this is about as good as it's gonna get or you know it, i don't know this guy's training experience like if you're 10 years deep and you've been training like with a really uh, good foundational principles hypertrophy, like this may just be as good as it fucking gets for you, man. It's all downhill from here. Like, you know, (laughs) give it more time and gain some more weight or some good points in there. Like just be patient with it. Cause like you said, you're adding what you're adding grams, you're adding increases to side in the magnitude of grams on a daily basis. So to say, you know, 16 weeks has gone by, four months, I throw it in the towel, fuck this. I mean, Paul, who is, you know, a large fella, when we grew his back or when he grew his back, I mean, like you said, it took over a year. So Pentagroid, don't give up. Yeah, Jay, you looked like you had some some points to add there. <clears throat> Did I? I'm sorry for that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so yeah, most of the stuff that Paul said, I, I think – Whenever I see 16 weeks, and I'm like, that's it? That's all you took was 16 weeks to see if you could bring that up? I mean, what is that, Especially four months? Yeah, if you're natural, like 16 weeks might as well be like two minutes. There's really no difference. <laughs> <laughs> like that natural progression is slow moving. So, and then I see six-week chest progression. Like, what are we progressing here? Like, what, what variable were we progressing with? Was it just load on the bar? Was it volume? Was it like, how did you construct this program? There's just a lot of things that are sort of missing from that question a little bit. And then I see slowly balking, like how slow were you balking? That's another, you know, what is the rate of gain over time? Um, And then also, I don't know if it's just, it might be my own sort of perception of those things. Oftentimes you won't really notice whether or not you've made any progress until you've dieted down a little bit. Um, You might just, it's difficult to see, progression sometimes with a higher body fat unless you're comparing you know you could compare photos to what you previously looked like at a similar body fat but you know for and then you also have to look at we are often our own worst judge when it comes to especially looking in the mirror like i'm sure most of us probably not ryan but most of us look in the mirror because he's a beautiful man probably most of us look in the mirror and just think this whole thing's fucked. Like, why am I even doing this? Um, I don't know what the deal, like I'd look terrible. Uh, so that could also be it. Sometimes pentagroid pentagroid sounds painful, whatever it is. Um, 
should probably get an outside perspective on, you know, their, his or hers or in between uh, their program, their exercise selection, all those things, maybe send some photos. That would probably be a better gauge of progress as opposed to just looking at yourself and going, eh, I'm doing a terrible job here. And a lot of you probably think that, that, that Jay was kidding there about, you know, me looking in the mirror and he's a hundred percent accurate every day. I look in the mirror and I'm like, how have I achieved this level right here? Like I thought yesterday was impressive and I woke up today and I'm like, Oh my God, it's even better. How, when will it stop? When will I stop improving? And I don't think it'll ever end. Uh, when you brought up measurements, there's something or, uh, you know, feedback and stuff like that. I urge people to take measurements and like circumference measure your girth um and uh, of not just whatever you're trying to grow but like your waist arms you know chest circumference legs all of that um as many sites as you're willing to do and to become familiar with your body over time and make comparisons so you know just for an example like I know if I gain an eighth or a quarter of an inch on my arms and my waist doesn't change very much. Well, I mean, that's fairly obvious that, well, like shit, I probably got bigger, you know, but you know, there, there are probably going to be times in your life where things are less in control and you're going through the holidays and you're like, Oh shit, I added a half inch to my arms, but I also gained an inch on my waist. That's not a good ratio of change. I probably didn't gain that much muscle. I, that was probably mostly fat and become familiar with those things and, and tr just track your progress. That's a good point. Don't push yourself up to a 44 inch waist just to get 16 inch arms. That's Dude, I did that in the army, man. I, I, at the very end, right before I got out, I pushed my waist up to like 45 inches and I, all I cared about was that arm measurement, dude. I was like 19 inch arms, dude. Like <laughs> <laughs> it was so bad. I had to diet for like a year straight to fucking get that off. So here's one more metric before we let Dom wrap this up for us. Um, look back at like week one of this 16 week progression. Look at an exercise that you performed. Let's say it was like a dumbbell bench press and you did like 65 pound dumbbells for a set of eight. Now look at week 16. Is your performance on that exercise better than it was in week one? Because you've done a 16-week progression, you can pretty much knock out the fact that any, any of that improvement was neurological. So if it had just been like a new exercise and you did it for six weeks and you got a lot stronger on it, that's probably not because you got bigger. But if you look back at week one, you did like 60s for sets eight on dumbbell bench press. And here you are in week 16 and you can do like the 75s for a set of 10. Like there's only there's only one real explanation as to why you made that improvement. That's that, you know, there, there's more contractile tissue in that area doing the work. Like, did you get better at the exercise? Yes, for sure. Some of that is neurological, but an improvement of that magnitude extrapolated out over that time domain it probably has a good bit to do with the fact that you just got bigger and honestly I, i'd like to throw in there because the numbers you threw out were relatively like small like going from 60s to 8 to 75 for 10 over 16 weeks like you're probably not that much bigger but you spend a year adding 60 pounds to a movement like you probably grew you know Damn, Paul. I thought I gave him good numbers to improve. Paul's like, yeah, I mean, if you add Bro. 15 pounds and two reps, like, fuck that. You Dude, no. Yeah, nobody's you'll theory. never be yeah. anything. He already felt bad about his chest. Now he's like, fuck, my, my whole life is just miserable. Paul went like straight hardcore gym, brother. Like, if we're not talking 45-pound plates on each side, 225 to 405 in 12 weeks, Hang it up, man. Your career. And if you're enhanced, no. double it. It's got to be like 80 pounds. <laughs> like. <laughs> Dom, anything to add there? Anything that your friend who came over to talk to you, I guess, about his phone or something? Anything that he wants to Are add? You harassed by Koreans? Did you tell him you, you get harassed by enough Koreans already? <laughs> no, I didn't. Um, but uh, <laughs> seeing that it was a 16-week program. Um, what I would think maybe what happened was he probably reached like a overreaching state and maybe didn't pull back when he was supposed to. So he spent a good amount of time in this like non-functional overreach state at the end. And it probably just ate up a bunch of weeks. If 
because I doubt it actually deloaded him or anything like that. Yeah, I didn't, I I didn't read it as that, but that would make sense. Yeah, if he progressed or tried to progress for 16 weeks straight through. Yeah, and most of these programs don't do that. They don't pull back and, we, you know. And then, you know, as somebody who maybe purchased this program from somewhere, what could happen in that is they might not know the signs of overreaching or overtraining. So they might not have been able to tell like their body needed it. Uh, so then that could have been an issue too. And then having this, like, even if he was trying to literally progress through it all in a slight surplus, well, eventually that surplus is going to turn into maintenance. And then eventually that maintenance is going to turn into a deficit. So he might've got to the point where his calories just didn't fit recovery demands anymore. I love that you brought that up, man, because a lot of people will talk about their training, but not, you know, like, hey, what are you doing with your food? What are you doing with your sleep? You know, is your recovery? Because yeah, if he was, it, let's say, let's say he increases volume across all these weeks and he's on this slight surplus as his weight creeped up in the beginning in this slight surplus and then volume demands came up, his calorie demands came up. He might, you know, reach maintenance with his food or maybe even a deficit with his food. Yeah. And a lot of people too, man, like I know you guys have probably had experiences like this. Like somebody walks up to you in the gym and you're like, yeah, man, I'm trying to grow my arms. And you're like, okay, well, what are you doing? And they just give you like a laundry list of fucking exercises. And you're like, dude, like, I don't think that's it, man. Like, I don't think coming here and doing every machine and movement you can think of for arms is the fucking way. Like, <laughs> yeah, what I, I do is I run the rack, I add supersets, drop sets. I'm started doing myo reps, increasing my frequency to six times a week. Yeah. I think, uh, I think exercise selection is probably a huge one too. Some people are just not made for certain movements. Like, you know, if you're really like, you see that argument all the time with like femur length and squats, like, it might not just be a good quad movement for you. Like you, you could probably do something else. Some guys might benefit from a dumbbell press over a barbell press, but they want a barbell press when in reality, they should have been dumbbell pressing this whole time. So I think exercise selection is another one. And then Ryan made a good point about neurological adaptations. Like if the exercises switch halfway through, well, you just took two weeks to neurologically adapt to it. So you probably didn't get much actual muscle stimulus from that. So there's, there's a lot of things that probably happened. And I'm sure it was a generic 16 week program that had like a different movement every other week. And so, yeah. You know what program it probably was, Jay? It was probably the, uh, the Joffrey nipples, 16 week power building extraordinaire program. The one that you just picked yeah. up last week and started. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's a, that, I think that's a big, I don't want to say it's a big issue right now, but there's a lot of people paying money, which I'm not going to hate on somebody's grind. That's fine. But, you know, people buy these programs that some person wrote because they've got a YouTube channel and that is the program they're going to follow because it worked for this fella. And oftentimes that's probably not the program that worked for you. Hey, get your money, boo boo. Get your money. All right, folks, I think that brings us to the end of this episode. It was a good one. We gave you a lot of takeaways. Just to wrap it up, to TLDR this, we taught you how to not have a neck. We taught you that organic GMO and free range are probably, most of the time, catch words. But not better than Hot Pockets and Chicken Nuggets. Definitely not better than Hot Pockets and Chicken Nuggets. Crack open open the Hot Pocket and just stuff the nuggets straight in. There's a takeaway for you. I had SpaghettiOs the other day. This man eats SpaghettiOs. Oh, I only eat organic apples. Side note, I also (laughs) had SpaghettiOs. Dina wanted some SpaghettiOs, so I bought a few cans, and I was just looking at them. I was like, I haven't had this since I was a kid. I'm going to definitely eat this whole can. (laughs) Do you ever, like, look at her? You're like, you know, like, raviolis. You ever look? Ravioli-os? What, Chef Boyardee? Yeah, what were they called? Yeah, they, oh, it was just raviolis. Yeah, oh, with a little good. cat food in there. Some yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you should look at Dina next time and just be like, you know, our kid is eating this, right? Like, you're trying to trying to make a champion. 
Dom, I've been through it. Don't tell Dina shit about anything, at least for the next year and a half or so. Don't say nothing. Just smile. Try not to make any sudden movements because their vision is based on movement. So just try to move slowly. Don't talk a lot. Smile a bunch and just nod your head. That's the way you get it's through like this. You've, se you've seen the movie Predator, right? It's a lot like that where they can sense your body heat and they just attack. Yeah. So there's another takeaway for you there. We taught you how to survive with your lovely pregnant wife if you are in that situation. Taught you how to track macros, be smart with your nutrition on and deployment. And then last but not least, we talked about how to grow your chest. Um, I think that's it. I think that wraps us up, folks. Like, comment, subscribe, those kind of things. Send it to your mom. Make her watch it. She'll really enjoy it. This is not safe for work content. Don't forget that. Do not play this out loud at work. If you get fired, it's not our fault. We will see you on the next one because we know you're hooked at this point. But in the meantime, stay gifted, folks. Also, like not safe for work is something you put like on the beginning or in the title, like not at the end after they already made all the bad, all the, all the mistakes. Okay, we will put NSFW on the front end, and we will end it with GFYS, Paul. Yeah. See ya. Bye.